Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Say hello to a new era of mental health care. Cerebral is here to help you achieve your mental wellness goals with professional therapy and medication management support. 100% online. You'll experience the all-new Cerebral way, an innovative approach to mental wellness designed around you. You'll get a personalized treatment plan from a therapist, prescriber, or both in a safe and judgment-free space. Your Cerebral therapist or prescriber will outline a customized plan with clear milestones along the way, so you can get to feeling your best. With Cerebral, you're not alone in your mental health journey. We're here to empower you to live a fulfilling life. So take that first step towards a brighter future and sign up today at Cerebral.com slash podcast and use code ACAST to get 15% off your first month. Offer only valid on monthly plans. Other exclusions may apply. Offer ends July 31st, 2024. See site for details. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Rabona Podcast. Once again, I'm Musa Konga, joined by Ryan Hun. Michael De Silva is indisposed. He's back next week. Yeah, yeah, he's off doing uh, Rabona's, doing the Lord's work for Rabona. Doing Rabona's just down the street. <laughs> <laughs> Rabona-ing cans around. <laughs> but yeah, we've got a lot to talk about this um, this week, Ryan, so let's let's get into it. Where should we start? Oh, no idea. Actually, before we do start, I wanted to just touch on the response to last week's podcast. Like, thanks so much to everyone who who got in touch about the podcast on Thursday. We really appreciate it. One thing I wanted to say was shout to uh, Mash St. Paddy, who wrote a piece for the Metro about this topic. And he kind of tweeted us saying that it was inspired by the podcast, which is really kind of touching. I mean, it's weird to, I'm not, it's weird to kind of feel stuff like this about this kind of topic, if you know what I mean. But, but yeah, we retweeted it from the Rabona account. So please go and read it. But also I just wanted to say one thing, as opposed to taking credit for the podcast, I think that we should look at it as to highlight how this needs to be spoke about, spoken about more in podcasts yeah. in general. Yeah. And there are some amazing podcasts that do that already. Prime example is like Burn It All Down. Yeah. So they talk about this stuff all the time and inequalities in sport and all kinds of stuff. And I, it's a really important listen. Yeah. Um, so yeah, anyway, I just wanted to touch on that before we moved on, but thanks to everyone who listened and responded and stuff, and hopefully we'll never have to do another podcast like that. Yeah, here's hoping, here's hoping. Yeah, um, but on to more positive stuff. Absolutely, let's get into it. Uh, what are we going to talk about today? It was I felt like I was swimming in football. Do you know where we should start? Mercy, mercy, oh, mercy. <laughs> in a weekend of unbelievable games, I think that was my favourite game this weekend. Barca Atleti. So Barca win 2-0 and effectively, I mean, it's, as they say in the old cliche, all over by the shouting in La Liga. Mm. A 2-0 win and against a very good team. Weirdly enough, actually, I didn't enjoy the game that much. Strange as it may sound. Yeah. Do you know what? I think because maybe I've been working all day and I watched it. I mean, I watched it when I was lying in bed. But 
There is a sort of grimly familiar pattern to Barca Atleti games, which is why I don't enjoy them so much. There is a predictable format, and I love Atleti, don't get me wrong. It's just that they haven't really mastered the art of doing much more, unfortunately, than soaking up pressure and then having this kind of crossbow counterattack. And I think they've got a bit of an identity crisis right now. Yeah, I mean, they've had it all season. Does that make sense? Yeah, Yeah, and they've never quite... All of the things we were hoping Atleti would do, and and I love that club, I love that team. All the things we were hoping they would do hoping they would integrate Thomas Lamar a lot better, have maybe um, a better sense of how to play on the front foot. Didn't happen. And it's really strange watching them lose this season has been a bit like teams realising this isn't the Atleti of 2013-14. We're playing them as if they are, but they're not. Mm. And it's almost like when people first started poking holes in, sacrilegious to say this, in Guardiola's Barcelona in his final season, when they started noticing, ah, the king is ring rusty. Mm -hmm. And I loved the game, you know, because it's Barca Atleti, but I also was not, it didn't blow me away as I was hoping it would. Well, I watched it back on Sunday because I was on my way back from München. And um, I found it really stressful. Right. It was quite a stressful game. It was quite intense and it was just very frantic. And I was thinking watching it actually, I was like, has this replaced the Classico now? Yes. Because this season the yes. two the two Atleti Barca games have been better than the Classicos, I think. That's a fascinating point. What an achievement that has been for Simeone actually as a legacy. Is Real Madrid Twitter going to come after me now? No, because they don't really come after anyone. <laughs> Well, let's They're going to come after you now. <laughs> they, don't, no, they, they, don't, they don't really know. Real Madrid Twitter is funny for, for a club as combative and which has m- much internal politics. Real Madrid on Twitter are actually fairly sanguine bunch. They don't really go for you. I don't want to test them. Yeah, me neither. But anyway, yeah, I just, yeah. I've, I mean, because I think I felt that the two classic, well, not the two classicos, the multiple classicos this season were, were good. But compared to Classicos in the past, like we've touched on this before, this isn't... Can I be... Yeah, I think Real, to be honest, that we, we don't know what... They, they're not a team yet. They're yeah. still uh, assembling themselves. Their identity will be better next year, for, no, without question. Mm. But Atleti right now are... They're the team yeah. that are best suited or matched to Barca. And, and also just because of the difference in, in identities as well with Atleti, even though they're still finding it, I think there is still this like ruggedness to them that, that is yes. quite like... It's not just um, blow for blow with Barca Atleti. It is more of a, you know, it's like watching a, I don't know, like I'm trying to think of it in a boxing analogy. Let's say a very tall boxer with a very short one that's very powerful. There you go. I don't know. Do you know what it reminds me of, actually? It reminds me of... Terrible in boxing. No, no, it actually reminds me of um, Lewis Holyfield, the first fight. Oh, yeah. When Lennox Lewis basically won with a series of jabs and it, all he used was the jab. It was mind-blowing, this performance. It was an absolute, I mean, they call it the sweet signs. It was a clinic that he delivered. And watching Barca, that amazing moment when you see them just on the edge of that box, trying to play the one-two and Messi, oh my goodness. There was a period towards the end of the game, still at nil-nil, where Messi plays his give and goes. Yeah. And he's absolutely hammering. I don't think we actually understand as like, you know, as, as football watchers, Messi, in order to make space in front of the Atleti, I mean, that is the most contested real estate in world football. I mean, that is like, that's the equivalent of downtown Mitter in Berlin. Like that is the most contested. That's the most, con- everyone wants to be there, right? As I say, Manhattan. Right. Thank you. Yeah, it's Manhattan. Right. Exactly. Perfect. When you can buy the space above the building. The gap in front. I, I love the analogy. That gap in front of the Atleti back four is basically like Manhattan, right? It's the most contested. Everyone's in there. Everyone wants to be in it. And Messi, the room he was finding, he hit this one, two, he played this one, two, um, got the ball back off. I'm not sure who, uh, and then hammered it. um, And Oblak made a good save low down. And I remember thinking, 
there's, there's nobody else in world football that could execute that. Mm. Actually, now you've brought him up, we need to talk about Jan Oblak. Oh my goodness. This guy is superhuman. <laughs> he was unbelievable on the weekend. He anticipated so much. He saw so much. And actually, I think that that goes to highlight how good those two Barca finishes had to be to get past him. Right. Because the first one from Suarez is... Fra- it's very similar to Messi's free kick in, against um, Villarreal. So it's the only place that Oblak can't get to it. Absolutely. Using the defender as yeah. a screen. And then the Messi one, yeah, the Messi one. Was, was out just, of this world. That, that was like, if it was in basketball, for example, good D, got to your spot. It was a crossover. Just the guy just did him. It was basically, basically. a crossover. Like the way, if, it's so funny. I've been doing something recently watching Messi highlights on YouTube where if you- Lucky you. <laughs> for work purposes. Oh yeah, quote, unquote. <laughs> <laughs> when you watch Messi highlights on YouTube, what's really fascinating is- Every now and again, you see a highlight of a skill you haven't seen before. And you know, it's, it's so funny. I get sent the wrong way. I'm at my computer watching it and I actually go the wrong way. I'm like, I'm literally swerving. <laughs> I almost mm. fell off my seat. The thing, yeah, yeah. I mean, the thing, that, the thing about the, the last goal and actually the Suarez goal as well, because it was Messi who broke, right? Yeah. Is that this Atleti defence is one of the best in world football. Yeah. Really. And usually they have the ability to to kind of like, in a football in a sense, like strangle teams, just like shut them down, done. I have never seen anyone stick Atleti on skates like Messi running at a back foot. And there was a couple of times where it was for the first and the second goal that they just didn't know where to go. They were, it was like they were scrambling on yeah. ice, yeah. you know. And, it's, and, it's, and someone yeah. like Godin as well, who is, if you look from the angle behind the goal for Messi's goal, everyone's in a pretty decent position. Yeah. This is the problem with Lionel Messi is that he's the only, well, he's not the only player, but I think that he's the only player that doing enough isn't enough, if yeah. that makes sense. Yeah, you know, it's, it's funny. I know the, there's very few other players I compare to that. I actually could put um, Eden Hazard in that category. Absolutely. And do you know why? The category I'm putting put them in is a very specific one. Leo Messi and Eden Hazard and one or two others in the world, and I can't think immediately who they are. I, do you know who is, a, who is a guy who can do this, actually? It's Mo Salah. Yes, yes. Okay, the, the, the thing I'm going to use is the category is this. Players who can run at a defence without a plan. Yeah. You know, because most players will need backup. You know, I'm looking at the one, two, who am I going to like? I've got an attack here. How do I, ge- how do I deconstruct the back four in front of me? Hazard, Messi, Ronaldinho in the old days, and Salah now are good enough to run full pelt at the centre of a defence and work out as they go yeah, on the like, flight. It's improvise. like make you move. Make you move and then I'll go. Ronaldinho said, it was a great quote, I can't remember the um, interview. They're like, how do you choose what to do when they're to the box? He said, well, I make up my mind at the last minute because if I don't know, the defence will not know. And the confidence to be able to adjust. So Messi obviously you know, drives towards the box. A good tackle comes in and Messi pivots. So spins around, gets himself back in position. And then the disguise, the head fake, Oblak, everyone's waiting for the far, you know, everyone's seen Messi do it a thousand times. He angles into far the far corner. corner. Yeah. Everyone's seen it. And he goes back across. And Very clever. the ankle snap, if you see the way the ball enters the net, Oblak is just like, you can just see him like, yeah. hey, you got I mean, I was talking to Sid about this on the last podcast. Sometimes you just got a Paul Lopez it. You know, when Messi did that chip against Betis yeah. and Paul just kind of goes... Or Real Sociedad. Real Sociedad. his cheeks down. It's like, what do you expect me to do? And the I think free that, kick in the 4-2 last season when yeah. he hits over the wall and the goalkeeper just goes, A. What, okay, you, what do you expect? Sometimes, this is the thing, right? I think that, um, I can't remember if it was, it might have been Kevin Williams posted about it on Twitter actually saying, we need to stop criticising this Barca team and realise how good they are. 
And I think at the moment in football, there's such a need to assess every little thing from a kind of a negative standpoint, like what they could have done better, what they did wrong, what so-and-so needs to do and all this kind of stuff that actually these are unbelievable football players and sometimes I think Valverde they just is brilliant. do amazing stuff I think Valverde is brilliant I think, I, he's, I think he's brilliant he is well. I think he's that, like I, I mean we've spoken about him yeah, before, yeah, on here, before. With, with the Berlin Valverde fan club <laughs> yeah, yeah the, the Berlin chapter I've got the analogy for Messi's goal against Oblak I was watching I was re-watching somebody said that Western Tombstone oh Doc Holliday okay Doc Holliday at the very end against Johnny Ringo in the shootout and the gunslingers. And basically he's just too fast. Messi is just too quick on the draw. And Johnny Ringo just knows. Anyone, and it, anyone under 25, I do believe that Tombstone is now on Netflix. Hey, so listen, that's, hey, listen, Val Kilmer should have got some kind of Oscar nod for that. But anyway, <laughs> that's Messi, that's Barca, that's Atleti. Uh, are we going to talk about Diego? What a silly boy. I mean, the thing about Diego Costa is that he doesn't have a great time at the new Camp no. at all. And, Atleti nearly got away with it. If you you know, it took yeah. Barcelona till what the eighty fifth minute before they scored their first. But still, getting sent off in what was what was it twenty eighth minute? I mean, there's very few teams in world football that you put your money on them actually having a better chance of winning when they go to ten men. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> and exactly. that's but having said that, I mean Diego Costa. Having said that, he's had a weird time in Atleti's biggest games. And well, a this really is it. Like, time. I mean, his biggest strength is also his biggest weakness. Yeah. And I think that this is where, I mean, the actual reaction to the red card, I found a little bit gross. Just the surrounding of the ref and how, I don't know, it got a little bit, it seemed like it was going to go a little bit nasty. Yeah. I mean, it was a bit uncomfortable to and watch, Simeone couldn't, Simeone couldn't look at Costa when he walked off. Well, that's, I think that is the, that is when you know you've really done it because yeah. if you get sent off for doing something that maybe goes over the line a little bit but you're kind of your mind is in the right place for it or you're um you're coming at it from the right intentions let's say you know if you don't get a pat on the bum from Simeone when you get sent off you know that you've been big trouble yeah and and he would have set up that game plan so carefully yeah he's finally got the team he wants out there you know everything's yeah, it's, it's, it's um, grim. so I mean if Atleti had won they would have cut the gap to five points it's right. now 11 Seven games to go. Stick a, stick a fork done. in it. Stick a fork in it. Should we do a little quick dart around the league before we move on? Let's go for it. I would like to big up Mr. Iago Aspas. Unbelievable. Who is single-handedly dragging Celta Vigo to safety. It's mind-blowing. It Has- is absolutely mind Do you know what? Instead of us kind of like trying to do it justice, go to Sid Lowe's Twitter. He yeah. wrote a really great thread about this on the weekend after the Celta Vigo And there's Vigo a great game. essay he's done as well he's, about this. Yeah, he did a really great piece for The Guardian last week. It's unbelievable. Celta won. They're now out of the relegation zone. Two points clear. Villarreal lost to Betis. So they're still in the relegation zone. Santi. He missed the last minute penalty. <laughs> Do you want to tell me what you were telling me before we came on? Oh, yeah. So um, Villarreal lost 2-1 to Betis. Santi Cazorla gets a last minute penalty. And it's a poor penalty down the middle. And the keeper effectively almost catches it. Uh, and then at 2-1 down, Betis break. And the guy goes around, the keeper gets the ball past him. And who clears the ball off the line? Santi Cazorla clears off the line. Even though he was despondent, he still got back and cleared it. And then there's this heartbreaking video someone posted on Twitter. He's standing in the corridor, I think it's the player's exit, and people are walking past and saying hello to him or goodbye and hugging him, consoling him, and he's just in tears. This makes down. me so upset. It was inconsolable. And this thing, Santi Cazorla, he doesn't just love football, he, he is football. He is football and he cares so much and nobody is ever going to hold him accountable for 
anything, if, they, if Villarreal do go down, it's a systemic failure. It's well, he, this is what me and Sid were talking about yeah. on the podcast last week. He, he, Should he shouldn't playing. have even been playing this much at this level this season. A couple of years ago, it was the priority was getting him to be able to walk around the garden with his children again. Right. Let alone being able to try and be the the, you know, the main guy yeah, to yeah. bring. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. And like what he's done this season is absolutely phenomenal. And footballers miss penalties. Yeah, exactly. So exactly, you know, I, I can't, I can't watch a sad Santi Cazorla. I just can't do it's it. It's wrong. It's it something, something's me. wrong in the universe. Yeah, I agree. I agree. <laughs> yeah, I'm gone if I do that. I yeah. just can't do it. I yeah, I agree. I'm with you. Yeah. yeah. Actually, I need to compose myself. So we could take a quick break. <laughs> <laughs> Let's do it. Let's do it. I've got myself together now. Have you? Yeah, just about. I just can't think about Santi being much. sad. It's oh. too much. It's too much. Emotions. <laughs> Santiago. I love you. Uh, where should we go? Uh, Italy, maybe? Italy? Italy. Well, no, because like Juventus and in Milan. Only very quickly, because it's really funny, because after this whole controversy, I want to say this now, because Juve beat Milan 2-1. Who scored the winner? Moise Keane scored the winner. Who basically screwed up for Milan's goal? Benucci can play out from the back. I mean, it, it was like a morality. Like Who would have thunk it? Yeah. Benucci tries to play out from the back, gets dispossessed. Milan score. Keane scores the winner with like seven minutes to go. Who is one of the first people to arrive on the scene to celebrate? Let me have Keane. a guess. Is it Leo? Leapt into his arms. I mean, the man looked like he was doing the high jump. He leapt. He pole vaulted. And the funny thing, I was like, ah, oh, this is good for the cameras. This is good for the cameras. And I was like, your bacon has been saved, my brother. But Keane was cool. He just styled it out. Kim was cool. Very impressive young man. Very impressive young man. So yeah, 2-1 Juve. Uh, yeah. I mean, I just wish he didn't play for Juve. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it won't, it won't be the first Game time. Game in at Arsenal. Oh, actually, yeah. no, he won't play because we've got Obama. It won't be the first time an immigrant has bailed out the indigenous population. So, <laughs> <laughs> Where next? Where next? Uh, should we go to De Classica? Oh my goodness. Oh, oh, oh. Okay, well, you were there. I so was there. How was it? Um, how was the experience of just being in Munich? Was it your first time there? Not in Munich, but it was my first time at the Allianz Arena. How was that? It was great. It was a lovely day. I wrote a piece for the Rabona site, which is up now, called the 17-Minute Classica, which kind of basically is... Oh, a great piece. I have to say I'm biased, but I think it's a terrific piece of writing. Oh, thanks, dude. But yeah, I mean, it's it's really strange because you come off the U-Barn and you kind of take... The U-Barn, so the underground. Sorry, yeah, yeah, the underground, you, sorry. Yeah. So you kind of come up the stairs and then you turn right and you go past some scarves and stuff for sale and then you kind of just catch a glimpse of it in the distance the Allianz Arena it's gleaming it's just this big and it it was a beautiful sunny day so you just have this big almost like from a distance it's featureless it's just Mm. this big white blob on the top of a hill it kind of looks like you know when you see like um, those kind of sci-fi films and like some kind of vessel has crashed or is just like hovering right and you don't know what they're going to do. It kind of looks like that a little bit because it's there's all these like paths that lead up to is it, it. Is it intimidating? Do you think would it be could it be intimidating for a team arriving there? Or uh, I mean, not really. probably not. If you kind of come in on the on a coach and you go under the ground and stuff, like that. I don't think so. It's yeah. Because it's very open to get there. I I would imagine that it's more intimidating going to stadiums that are you know on narrow streets or boxed in. Yeah, yeah you know you get Upton Park type vibes. pelted by bottles of Ribena like at Anfield. Or something yeah, like of course, <laughs> River Plate or Boca Juniors. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. But yeah, I mean the build up was incredible. It was the whole game was very loud, especially the first twenty minutes. It was so loud. I can't remember a game that I've been at that's been that loud for a while. Mm. But yeah, I mean the game itself wasn't really much of a game. It was kind of done after 17 minutes, hence the title of the piece. First five minutes, Dortmund barely touched the ball. It was like 
watching Pep era Bayern. High Just tempo, that swagger, high tempo, yeah, yeah. first at every ball. Kind of said it in the piece, but it had an air of this, you know, like an elder sibling kind of keeping the younger one in check a little bit. Oh, wow. Being like, you know, maybe the younger one's acted up a little bit. And it's like, no, 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 watch grim. it kind of oh, thing. It was grim. It was a bit grim. Who was running the show? Tiago was brilliant. He's a magician, isn't he? Yeah, Serge Gnabry was great. Kingsley Coman was great. Thomas Muller was great. Lewandowski was all right. I mean, he scored his two, he scored two goals, two hundredth and two hundred and first Bundesliga goals. Oh my goodness! But the the thing is, uh, Dortmund's only chance and their best chance, really, well, not their only chance, but their best chance for sure, came at nil nil, and Dahoud hit the post on six minutes where he really should have scored. It was a very presentable he chance, really, wasn't it? It was right in front of me and it was just one of those, you know when you kind of know a goal is going to happen, you can see it three or four passes before or a, th- a couple of seconds before. It's like, oh, this is in. And when it went wide, you could tell by the it reaction. Off the post, it was off the yeah, post. Yeah, hit the post yeah. and then it went wide and Sancho's hands were on his head. Brun Larsson like dropped to his knees and I think that kind of summed it up because they had so little of the ball in the first five minutes. I mean, obviously, it's very easy to go back and say, oh, that was the chance, but it really but felt it also like... Was. Yeah, it was. felt like that. And then Mats Hummel scored the first, uh, Lewandowski got the second after a poor error from Zagadou. And w- once that second one went in, it was like, this is done. This is totally done. And actually, from a spectacle point of view, it was really disappointing because Dortmund were never in the game. It was, they were never it's in so it. so disappointing. You know, the, the fact that about this is it's so disappointing because we're huge fans of Sancho Corner uh, and Dortmund on this podcast. But unfortunately, you look at that squad, you look at the Dortmund players and none of them have ever really been, apart with the exception of Royce and Pischek, they haven't won things at a high level. They're new, they're young, and that, that has really shown. If you look at the Bayern team, by contrast, Hummels and Müller were on the pitch for the absolute battering, you know, Germany, Brazil, and there are some parallels with Germany, Brazil, I think. Brazil, a young team, hadn't really won, don't have that sort of leadership structure, and Germany, just, you know, tournament experience, and just came in and just... Well, yeah, I mean, this is the thing. I think think it's a mixture of things. I think it's it's obviously the realities that, um, that Dortmund face compared to Bayern. You know, Dortmund don't have the budget. They just so they have to, and they they almost have to rely on or assume that they're not going to keep players for a long time. There's a really good thing that BT Sport did actually over the weekend, which was kind of the Dortmund project or something like that. And it had interviews with some of the top brass at Dortmund, going back to when they nearly went bankrupt um, after they won the Champions League in the 90s, and how they have to. You know, Mikel Zork was talking about. Yeah, the sporting director was talking about their their process, and they kind of they know now that they they don't have the time to build teams anymore because they their players often just go yeah but if you look at the way those players arrived Dembele from Wren to Dortmund stepping stone and I hate to say even you know Pogba yes he did love United but stepping stone I mean when he came from Havre, United mm. basically poached him mm. you know it's when you have a player that comes into the club who doesn't stay much other places the same with Flamini there's players who you are part of their career ascension Hazard as well. It's maybe a surprise Hazard's been at Chelsea as long as he's been. But there should always be a sense with certain players that they will move on. You don't mm. get that with some players. You know, a player like Ander Herrera is more of a kind of has been more of a loyalist. Mm. But players like Pogba and Dembele and Hazard, you can see in their future there is a new camp. There is a Bernabeu, Gareth Bale as well as a classic example. Yeah, definitely. At Dortmund, they're in this really unique position where they they are the next best team in Germany to yeah, Bayern yeah. and they are expected to compete but the goalposts are 
so different to Bayern. Like, whereas if you look in the Premier League, the top three or four have similar budgets available to them. Except for example, where it is like one and then the rest in. in I just in, want someone like Ngolo Kante to go to Dortmund. I well, I mean, he, I everything. think he'd be. I think he'd be the perfect example of a player who would really thrive there because yeah. he's won the World Cup. He's won the league in the in in, Twice. in, in yeah. Premier. Yeah, he's won the Premier League, and I would totally see him being like that kind of guy who wants now to guide that, that to these players because you know he'd be like a club legend. Oh, 100%. And Golo Kante to Dortmund. Oh, my goodness. Start the petition. Start, start the petition. And they have to debate it. Yeah. If it is like, <laughs> um, but I mean, yeah, I think the, the, the thing is with Dortmund is that their whole um, thing is that, you know, I mean, this is, we're saying stuff that everyone probably knows, but like Mikel Zork was saying that, you know, you start your career here. We give the players the chance to start their careers here. Yes. For them, it must be really frustrating knowing that you are going to lose these players anyway, but then when that time frame is reduced massively in of the course. cases of like Dembele and et cetera, et cetera, then it must be so infuriating. But, you know, he said we were very well compensated for it, which they, it's the almost an the money Ajax, they got for it. It was great. Yeah, yeah same It's as almost Ajax. an Ajax level turnover. But the beauty of the Dembele thing is the reinvestment of that money. What I love now is that that, that really feeds the infrastructure and the grassroots of the club and the sustainability. Yeah. And it's just keeping an eye on the prize. And what I love about the fact that Zork is there, Zork is such an old school, you know, he's been there, there in 97. Yeah. And he's a Don. Yeah, definitely. Uh, having having an administration that, and I say this is United fan, that absolutely love the club and for whom it is football first. Yeah, I mean, the, th- the thing is what they've done really well, I think, is they, they've built the club to be a um, global club whilst, keeping very strictly to the principles of what yeah. they would have done anyway. Do you know what I mean? Like an identity. Like we want to play this way or we want players that play this way or we want to build our club in this kind of fashion. And actually, with that, the thing I think that was so impressive about the the game on the weekend, the, at 4-0 down at half-time, the Dortmund away fans were just as noisy yeah. as they were pre-game throughout the entire second half. And at 5-0... Lewandowski scored right at the end. The game I finished five hope- 0 and the players came yeah. over and they were applauding them like normal. They there was never there wasn't any, which maybe you would say, well, actually, maybe the fans should be expecting more or doing this. But I thought that it's kind of like there's a reality that's set in at two 0 and it was like, well, there's no point in us kind of adding to it, you know. But also these players and they've been on a particular journey with these fans. This particular team has had so many great stories and plots. And I think the, the fans are grateful for that. And my one concern, my one hope is that this doesn't hurt them historically. I hope that by, I hope that Dortmund will see this result as the way that when United got beaten 5-0 by Newcastle and still won the league, they have to treat it as, you know what, elite teams on a run will destroy you. It happens to all of us. And the, the, the great teams know how to absorb horrific defeats. I mean, United, we lost, we lost United. We lost 6-3 and 5-0 in consecutive weeks. Yeah. Still on the league in 97. I mean, the thing about this, this side now is that they're just way ahead of schedule. They shouldn't be in this position anyway, yeah. really. I mean, the amount of injuries they've had this season, they've rushed a load of people back. Like Zagadou wasn't fully fit. Uh, Lucas Piszczek wasn't fully fit. Uh, Zagadou came off at half time. He had a really poor first half, but you could just tell he wasn't fully fit. But also, he's 19. Yeah, Jaden Sancho is 19 years old. You know, you've got Marco Royce is the most experienced player in that side who has had multiple injury ravaged seasons. You don't have these players there really like a, let's for argument's sake, like say someone like N'Golo Kante went there and he's like, right guys, when we were at Leicester, yeah, this, this, this and this. God, or, I want that to happen so badly. I know, you know, or like when we won the World Cup. Yeah, they need someone, they need someone who is like, they just need to get 
someone who has done it. They need to get someone who is basically like, you know, who's done it. Like, you know, like when Ajax basically brought in um, Danny Blint. Yeah. That was the most beautiful signing because he'd just seen it. And, yeah. And, and Rijkaard, I mean, that was, yeah, the midfield basically. I mean, not everyone can call them those players, but Rijkaard and Danny Blint. Mm. shut the thing down but I mean you know there's, they, they're still only a point behind exactly so I yeah. think that the main thing is um, you know Lucien Favre said after the game it was a lesson we can't think of the champion we can't think of the you know winning the championship we have to think about next game next game next game yeah. and I think this has maybe given them a bit of a because they've been riding their luck a little bit for they a have. few weeks now have. and I think this has been a wake up call and it's it can go there's a massive cliche it can go one or two ways they can learn from this. Um, one thing I do want to talk about is the press conference after the game. Oh yeah, go on. Niko Kovac, wouldn't mind playing for that guy. <laughs> Absolutely nails, isn't he? Berlin boy, yep. born in Vedding. Not just any old Berlin. Listen, listen, those who know Berlin, when we talk about Vedding, Vedding is the real deal. Love it. He kind of went after the journalists a little bit, which I thought was really good. So mm. in Germany, people who, who may not know, in the Bundesliga, the managers do the press conferences together. So they're either sat next to each other or there's someone in between them. I think depending on how the game goes. <laughs> yeah. um, so when I went to see Hertha Dortmund, it was a little bit feisty and the guy sat in between. But on the weekend, Niko Kovac sat next to Lucien Favre. And a journalist asked Niko Kovac something like, does the 5-0 mean something more personally for you because of the criticism you received this season? And he kind of stand, you know, was a little bit short with them but you know kind of answered how, how you would expect him to answer and then the same guy followed up again with this question which was like you know you said you weren't going to celebrate too much but you know the player's going to be able to go out or you know they're going to go and celebrate or have a party or something and he basically <laughs> just went full like full Kovac full Kovac full Vedding it was yeah he basically just kind of went after them and said like what are we doing here we're playing football it doesn't matter what the players want to do. Some might want to go out, some might not want to go out, but we're playing football here and we don't even, he said, absolutely now, we don't even, I don't get asked about things in the game. Sometimes we win, sometimes we lose, sometimes we make mistakes, sometimes we don't make mistakes, but it's always sensa- like sensationalism. You want to ask about whether the players are going out and partying and stuff like that. And he really went after him to the point where this was only eight minutes into the press conference and it was like, any more questions? Silence. Bye. And actually, when they got up, Lucien Favre kind of shook his hand and just went, well said. What I found really nice about that situation was that there's clearly a massive respect between Kovac and Favre. Yeah, it's a peer group. Yeah. He said, actually, didn't he say, he said, look, not just me, but also my colleagues. Yeah. yeah. So it's like our fraternity of football managers. We're we're, we're just here to be, you know, this generation of football managers, they're actually very... um, they're regular dudes, like yeah. Nargles, man. They, they're good. They're just geeks. They're, yeah. they're just trying to coach football clubs. Yeah, and I thought that was really good. He was just like, yeah, not just me. Like you said, like, we're all kind of sick of these kind of questions. Like, you know, ask us about the football. I loved that. It was really, really good, actually. Like you said before we, we started recording, it was something that the players see. He's kind of like, I don't care what they do. Like, if they go out or they don't go out. You know, it's like they've just won a game. They've got, like, a few days till the next game. It's like, don't worry about it. You know, you know it's, it's, it's almost matter. like he's almost like... um you know, we said this before, like you're communicating with, with a different audience. Yeah. You're talking to the, the journalists, but you're really speaking to the football world. Yeah. What was fascinating was, you know, there's that respect, but obviously like managers talk and we don't often get that sense that managers will have a chat at the conferences, you know, away from the eyes of the media. And can I say this as well? That question is so loaded with class assumptions. That thing about, yeah. you know, the fact is there are going to be, there'll be some Bayern supporters, some Dortmund supporters among those 
those um, journalists, they're happy to go back and have a beer and celebrate. They're going to enjoy this incredible victory, right? These, these buy-in supporting journalists. But it's not okay for your players, the ones who've elevated your club, the ones you make a living off, frankly, because if there were no players, yeah. you wouldn't have a career. Yeah, and exactly. I sometimes feel, I'm not saying journalists should be deferential, but I say they should be respectful. Like these are people carrying out a specialist skill in front of millions of people, you know, on TV every week and respect them. Like, yes, they're being paid tens of thousands of euros a week, which is what this comes down to really. What they're really saying is wealthy people that grow up from working class backgrounds shouldn't be allowed to live it up. That's what they're really saying. And also there's another element there, which is the kind of, let's be brutally honest, trying to return Bayern to the FC Hollywood years because that was more fun to report on. Yeah, and I, and I just don't think Kovac has any interest well, in no, that Well, because happening. he loves Bayern, because he's old school. Like yeah. he's been through that infrastructure. He loves the infrastructure. He loves the club. He probably saw that and was like, that was the worst aspect of Bayern. Yeah. And he wants no part of it. But this is, it's easy to forget, I think, with everything that's gone on this season. And he has been criticised Niko Kovac a lot this season. But I think you're seeing now that a lot of that was completely unfair because this is a football guy, you yeah. know? Yeah. Like, was assistant at Red Bull Salzburg, was a Croatia manager, saved Eintracht Frankfurt from relegation and then turned them into top of the table, a wonderful European competitors. They are unbeaten since the winter break now, Eintracht Frankfurt. And I don't think that that's any coincidence that they have improved because of the work Niko Kovac did there. So coming into a, 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 a club like Bayern, and you've seen it with like Pep, when Pep first went there, it was a little bit wild. And then when Pep went to Man City that first season, how many people in the Premier League, how many journalists were like, this guy's a joke, can't, Fra hack, it a, can't hack it in the Premier League. And it's like, let them do their work. This takes time. Yeah. And what he's done with Serge Gnabry, I mean, you look at like the player development. Well, this is the thing. You look at the, the two players that started on the weekend on the wings were Kingsley Coman, who's now back fit, and Serge Gnabry, both in their early 20s, both the future of Bayern. He has seamlessly, really, if you think about it, maybe they could have done better in Europe for sure, but he's now embedded th those two as the guys yeah. to take over from Robin and Ribéry. And in Europe, to be fair to him as well, he was playing against a Liverpool team that is fine-tuned a Liverpool team that has solved all its problems yeah that yeah. basically essentially even though it's absurd to say because Bayern have won six straight Bundesligas but in terms of the Champions League they're kind of where Liverpool were maybe two seasons ago because they're still us, yeah. kind of going through that process of fi yeah. figuring stuff out and yeah anyway I mean um, Bayern are now topped by a point there's seven games six games to go so all still to play for all still to play for and Absolutely. like both teams have tricky last games as well yeah. uh Bayern are at home to Eintracht Frankfurt Ooh. and Dortmund are away to Mönchengladbach who both teams who might need to win to... Well, you know what, actually I've got more faith in uh, Gladbach have been... Oh, well the thing is uh, Frankfurt uh, Eintracht uh, haven't lost in any competition since the winter break. Gladbach I think have only won one of their last eight league games. So... Yeah, I mean, but still, going to Gladbach on the last day of the season, say, for example, is there's a point in it on the last day of the season and Dortmund have to win in Gladbach. Yeah. That's not, a, that's not, still not, you wouldn't, fan, you wouldn't fancy that. Exactly. And, no, you know, they've still them. got Schalke to play at home in a couple of weeks, Dortmund, and they haven't beat Schalke at home in the league, I think, since 2015. Oh, goodness. So, you know, and but then Bayern drop points at Freiburg, so. Exactly. You just never know. You just <laughs> never know. But uh, let's take another quick break, and then we'll come back and do a, Wrap FA up of the other stuff, yeah. Oh, FA Cup, yeah. yeah we've got cool, to do cool. the FA Cup. We haven't even talked about the FA Cup yet. Oh. <laughs> so much football. <laughs> 
we're back from the break. We haven't even spoke about the FA Cup. Now is the time. Now is the time. The time is now. First of all, we need to shout out Brighton because that looked like when Man City scored after a few minutes at the beginning, I thought that was going to be a sad day. Poor Brighton. The fan base, unbelievable. I actually had a very good friend of mine was at the game. Uh, actually, uh, Jonathan Harding, fantastic writer, big Brighton fan. So shout out, John. And the fans are in superb voice throughout. And the frustrating thing with the FA Cup is it's just where you see the inequality of resources. Yeah. It's so frustrating. And City have gone now to the final. They are still in all four competitions. They're still in contention, all four competitions. And we shouldn't say too much about City, frankly, because they do what they do. Brighton did so well to get to that stage. And the other semi-final, by contrast, was an absolute thriller, an old school thriller. And Watford coming through three goals to two. And so much to say about that. The primary thing is a lot of people are going, ah, it would have been a lot better to have Wolves in the final than City. I disagree. I think that Wolves, they're basically like a, a Man City in terms of tactical awareness, but they don't have the players. So actually, they're an easier quantity to, to deal with. The draw that Wolves got at Cit- um, against City, they relied a lot on brilliance of the goalkeeper. Watford, Who didn't play on the weekend. Watford are chaotic. And in an FA Cup final where anything can happen, you could have a, like a Man City-Wigan situation. I would be interested in who they start in goal Watford in the final. Because Radio Gomez has been their cup keeper. Mm. But Ben Foss has been yeah, but then you one of their with, best players this season. Yeah, but what, you know what Ferguson would do though? Alex Ferguson, he'd, he'd stick with Gomez. Yeah, well, Arsene Wenger did that a lot with Arsenal as well, knowing that players, you know, the, the, Chesney played a cup final before he left. Uh, Fabianski played a cup final before he left. You just make the hard choices, don't you? It's a weird one. It's a weird, I mean, it's funny I'm, Wolves, that's why we're not football managers. Wolves are, a fine, Wolves are obviously a fine team, but what, two mistakes? Well, actually, they made one mistake, actually, because the Delefeu goal, no one made a mistake for that. That is just a sensational finish. And if you see the, you know, I think Wolves are 2-0 up with, what, 10 minutes to go and Delefeu the way he hits this curler I love the way he leaves his foot hanging like the follow through yeah, like a jump shot maximum space. it's like a leg break in cricket yeah it was like the follow through at the end of a jump shot to get the rotation yeah and it just oh the way it floats it was like Coutinho style it was really good oh it was glorious it was one of the, it was like a goal you only really see in training yeah absolutely and then of course he's, you know Dini scored the equaliser penalty you had to wait two minutes to take it 94th minute equaliser and then Delefeu scores a brilliant goal yeah. give and go but, Such you know, a good game. And do you know what? I'm really, really pleased for Harry Gratz here. Yeah, because me too. Me too. When he came to England, all of the people who were aware of his work in Spain said that this was a good appointment for Watford. You know, he's been very highly regarded everywhere he's been. And again, another example of how things take time. You the know? first World Cup. <laughs> first, <laughs> first World Cup. Wow, he is good. <laughs> <laughs> well, Watford won the World Cup final. <laughs> leave that in. You have I thought to it was West Ham won the World Cup. <laughs> <laughs> you have to leave that in. Um, Watford's first FA Cup final since 84? Yeah, long, long time. Wild. I mean, amazing. I mean, it's, I mean, sorry, Man City fans, but it would have been so great if Brighton had been there. Brighton, Watford in the World Cup. <laughs> now you've got me yeah. doing it. Brighton. Watford in the, World in the Cup FA final. Cup final. That would have been the finest of 83 and 84, wouldn't it? Yeah, it was so good. Oh, I, yeah. I mean, that's how I feel about it. I think the funny thing with this game, and there's an element of sadness, there's something poignant about this game, Watford winning in brilliant style. But I also felt a bit sad because I look at a player like Delefeu and I think to myself, I would say this out sounding like a patronising, dude, what, what, what are you doing? You were, the, you were the chosen one. You're meant to be... You're meant to be like with Thiago. You're meant to be, see the way that Thiago's running games for Bayern. Mm. You're meant to be running games somewhere. You're meant to be Dembele. That was meant to be you. Really, like you were meant to be the guy that was combining with Messi, the next generation of 
with the Barca forward line. And I, you see that game, you think, you know, it's brilliant what you're doing. But you came off the bench. And people, a lot of people said, and they criticised um, the manager, oh, why wasn't he starting? Why did these clubs get rid of him? And people replying and going, you don't watch them every week. He doesn't do this every week. He doesn't play like this every week. Like he has to come off the bench because he's an impact player. And and I just feel really sad. Does that make sense? Not yeah. in a kind of, not in a patronising way, but in a kind of like, you should be running games for the very best teams in the world every week. And well, this, it's not for lack of talent. Well, this I always think of that thing that Ander Herrera said in situations like this about how important decision-making is in football. You can have all the ability in the world. And if your decision-making isn't as good as it can be, you're not going to be there. And Ricardo that's the difference. Parisma. And that's yeah. the difference. And it's essentially, it's like, I've you know seen a, a huge amount of players that, like Delafeu who come through Arsenal over the last decade for example, who on their day are unplayable, but on other days, you literally can't play them. I'm going to be such a sports mean? sport here. So Ben Arthur, Hatton Ben Arthur, scored this goal for Wren at the weekend. Everyone's going nuts about it on social media. I was watching that and no, I remember thinking, and then I saw, I thought, he must be an absolute nightmare to play with because you don't know when he's going to release it. He goes past three or four men, but if you look at the players standing around, how many times can I play the square pass? And I'll sound like a real curmudgeon, but in the course of a season, that is not a sustainable enterprise. And that's why players like that, or like, you know, Lauren Robert is another one. They don't, or, you know, or Ricardo Quaresma, these players had everything technically, but it's all cliche with the first yard being in the head. You have to make the pass before the gap closes. Mm. And some players don't make the pass because they don't have the confidence. It's not like Andre Gomez, brilliant player, went to Barca, could make the pass, as we saw in the Clasico, you know, when Messi scores the late winner, can make the reverse pass into space. But it's confidence. But Delefeo's case, almost, can I say this? It's almost like they collide with reality at a certain age because they've been the best player in their category for so many years. You've been the best player at the youth level. And then you start training with the first team and yeah. all of a sudden... Well, it's the same with Bojan. You look at Bojan, who's, again, like when he came, I mean, he had, he's had injuries and stuff, so it's been a little bit different. But when he first came through at Barcelona, you were like, oh my God. Bojan's now, a funny one. Bojan's yeah. a weird one. Bojan's more like, sorry to jump in, but there's an essay about Bojan, the interview that he gives, and you realise why he didn't go that far. And it's not actually the technique. It's more the, I think he's just not brutal. He's not mentally ruthless. Yeah. So it's he too ha- nice. Too nice. Yeah, I, I think, mm-hmm. unfortunately, I think he's, he's, he's more of a Murata category. Yeah, definitely. Where the talent's there, but... But yeah, yeah. Um, you and mentioned yeah. Andre Gomez there. Should yeah. we uh, look back at the first edition of the Super Catfish? Rope? Oh, the Catfish Derby. <laughs> <laughs> right. So I sent you a message. How after... do we get away with this? Congratulations to Evan. Thoroughly deserved one. So who are, the two, who are the two catfishes then playing? Well, who? this was the yeah the the Super Catfish Show. If you, I'll read out the Wikipedia entry. The Super Catfish Show is a is a, <laughs> is, a, is, a is a fixture between Everton and Arsenal. The two clubs that flattered it. So catfish base is someone Well, you coined the catfish thing. Did so. I? Did I? Oh, was it, was, wasn't it you? Credit where it's due. So I tried to skip. <laughs> They're going to come for us. Don't co- hey, don't put this on me. So Everton, I came up with the super catfish. I'll take credit br- for that. So Everton beat Arsenal 1-0 in the catfish derby. A worrying result for Arsenal. Not one that I saw come. I thought it would be a draw, I think, this one. Didn't I no, think I, 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 I said it would be a, an Everton win. I've seen this game a million times. To be honest, though, playing, I mean, a result at Goodison Park is always a pretty tough thing to get. It Let's is and it real. isn't, because that's the very nature of the Super Catfish show. <laughs> you just never know. I sent you a message saying, if a club that you considered a catfish turns out to be a catfish, were they ever a catfish at all? <laughs> that's brilliant. Yeah. I'm going to put that in the Robotta fortune cookies where we make that. <laughs> it's so good. It's so good. It's so good. But isn't it? Because it's like Everton 
uh, Everton could have won 8 nil. They could have been 8-0 up if it wasn't for Burton Leno um, and some poor finishing. Burton Leno, by the way, who has quietly had an extremely impressive season at Arsenal. Player of the month last month, I do believe. Mm. And kept Arsenal in the game when they really didn't deserve to be in the game. Arsenal still without an away clean sheet in the league this season. The only side to have not got a clean sheet away in the league. And yeah, Arsenal were extremely poor, but I think that was mainly because Everton were extremely impressive. Prediction-wise, it doesn't really matter too much because we all had Arsenal outside the top four anyway. But yeah, uh, considering Arsenal's last four of Arsenal's last six games are away from home and they have to go to Watford and Wolves as well. Nobody fancies those trips. Arsenal going to have to really pull something out of the bag. So yeah, congratulations to Everton on the first edition of the Super Catfish Show. Yeah, absolutely. And Liverpool uh, had a great win, a late win, um, a couple of days before that. So the top of the league is looking interesting anyway yeah i'm gonna shout out to my my mate rob southampton fan our resident southampton listener. oh yeah yeah rob How's he was a uh, he was so angry for southampton's second half performance because they took the lead i said i said to him i thought southampton would win and then when southampton went ahead he sent me a text saying oh my god and i was just like don't test me and <laughs> then it was drums. like oh 3-1 yep all right fair play <laughs> <laughs> so yeah we tried to get through as much football as we could do. Before we move on to questions, yeah. one more thing I want to mention. So England lost to Canada on Friday? In the women's. It was Friday, women's, right? Yeah. yeah um, Christine Sinclair scored the winner. Christine Sinclair, five goals away from becoming the outright top international goal scorer of all time. She has 180 goals in 279 matches. Whoa, whoa, whoa. That's like, well, that's like point nine, eighteen over 27. I don't know. I'll tell you one sec. I mean, she's four behind Abby Wambach. Abby Wambach got 184 goals in 256 games. So Abby Wambach, this is incredible, right? So I was looking at the ratios when it happened on Friday. Abby Wambach's goals per game ratio for, well, 2001 to 2015, so is that, what, 16 years inclusive, is 0.72 goals per game. That's insane. For over a decade and a half. (laughs) That's wild. That what's the equivalent? That's like like twenty five. That's like twenty five, thirty points a game in the NBA or whatever. Women's NBA. It's nuts. It's absolutely seven in the world. Seven in ten. Other world. Fifteen years. I mean, Christine Sinclair. Her hundred eighty goals has come in two hundred seventy nine games, which is still point six six. That's nuts. I can't. You're always scoring, and to do that across the amount of travel, the amount of consistency, the you know, injuries year in year out. Sorry, I'm, this is that's, that's why I can't. Like some of the ratios in this list are just unbelievable. So Julie Fleeting, ex-Arsenal uh, forward, got 116 international goals and 120 caps for Scotland. 0.97. That is absolutely <laughs> wild. That is absolutely wild. But anyway, Christine Sinclair could do it in the World Cup. She could do it beforehand yeah um the consistency of goal scoring yeah i mean let's keep an eye on that yeah yeah for sure for sure my goodness a few questions Point before seven. we finished or a couple of questions yeah, we sure. had a thanks for everyone who sent in their questions mm. uh, at rabona mag on twitter you can also if you want to send in anything about the podcast you can email hello at rabonamag.com. oh great yeah and just put podcast in the title. Feel free to email. I'm if you email. want it, I'm excited. Want I might email than, now. If I'm you excited. need more than 280 characters, feel free to drop us an email. Uh, we had a few questions about stuff that we've already covered, actually. So let's have one from Marge Doos. I like this question. What is some of the stuff that really annoys you about football? For me, time wasting is much more infuriating than diving because at least diving is just one incident, whereas time wasting can occur over the whole course of a game. I sent one back saying, I'm going to go in on this. <laughs> 
Oh, okay. What do you have? I'm not sure. I'm, I'm still going to think about this. Because one thing occurred on the weekend in the Super Catfish show, actually. First few minutes, Lacazette in the box, squares the ball and gets flattened, like taken out. The ball's still in play. Anywhere else on the pitch, that's a foul. Right. And also, maybe a yellow card. Nothing happened. And I can't understand this. And this happens time and time and time again in the box. They should 100% be fouls. Yeah, that's right. I mean, it's, it's, I think it's almost like they're trying to, it's almost like a sort of Sunday league mentality of like early in the game, don't give the big thing decision to settle the game have, down. Yeah, but I mean, that should, it was, it, this could have happened any time in the game yeah, and it no, wouldn't I have know, been given. I know, I'm just trying to think of the psychology. I don't, yeah, that's, that's, I mean, that's actually a good, fair objection. Time wasting, to be honest, doesn't annoy me that much, only because it's one of the few ways in which teams which don't have the financial resources of bigger clubs can actually like equal the odds. It's for the same reason that actually I'm not that against tactical fouls. I hate seeing them, but I understand them and I they're part of the game. And I kind of, there's a part of me that I nice to play Sunday League football. I kind of like the fact that I got fouled off the ball and all that stuff and like got my, because it was kind of like, yeah, it's a compliment. It's also like, it's, it's the rough and tumble. Do you know what? I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to counter you there with the, I, I totally agree on the fouling stuff. I hate time wasting. Okay. And actually, there's a really good video that Tifo did about potential rule changes to the clock in football and how much time the ball actually spends in play. I would be, I think, I think, I haven't thought this through to the level where I've considered all the options 100%, but my, at the moment, I think I would be in favour on less time on the clock for football games, but the clock stopping when the ball goes out of play. Yeah. So the ball is actually in play for the same amount of time every single football match. I think... I'm in favour of that as opposed to just letting the clock flow. Do you know what? I'm going to sound like a real old fogey here. What really annoys me in football, it's the YouTube. I think I think it's the, it's the people. <laughs> it's the YouTube. The, 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 that's a really old, oh my God, like an old man ranting at clouds. Do you know what really annoys me the, about football? The YouTube. It's the YouTube. It's just the kind of, um, I slightly worry about this from the perspective of maybe like young players, I don't know. Make the best available decision, like lay off the pass, by all means beat the player with a spectacular piece of skill, but the best footballers use the spectacular skill when absolutely necessary. So you will, you know, don't by all means use the blinding step over, but very often the give and go is a better option. And I think the thing that worries me sometimes is I see like, you know, I, I love the football freestyling stuff. I love it, don't get me wrong. But the best players know exactly when to do it. Ronaldinho is a great example. So I'm not a hate, I've, all, everyone loves a great piece of skill, but I remember watching a highlight video on Instagram the other day and I've got a guy doing the fancy futsal stuff and there's one video and it's brilliant. And to, to his credit, he posted it up. Everyone else basically is defending this guy, stands like up against him on their heels and they get murdered. This one guy that defends him is brilliant. The guy just stands side on, like with his heel towards him, but side on and showing him either way. And the guy can't get past. Yeah, yeah. And the, the guy basically goes down five different alleys and has to lay it off. And I suppose my one thing with football is now, like see how Ajax played against... Um, Real. That is, that's the football that I think is just, it's a mixture of flair and team play. And my Does one- Does this really annoy you though? Yeah, because you know what it is? It's because when I see players who are technically out of this world, not achieving their potential, very often it's because they haven't integrated themselves into team systems. And so my whole thing is like, I don't want to celebrate too much people who use skill for skill's sake because they don't end up Well, this is why I've historically not found Cristiano Ronaldo as enjoyable to watch as Lionel Messi. Because it's the kind of minimalist, maximalist stuff. Yeah. Nothing Messi does is for show. And that's my, and that's the thing. I sound like an old fogey, but I've started oh, so finish. We are so miserable. Yeah, but it's just, no, but no, we love it. No, we, we don't look at us raving over all these games. We do rave over that stuff. We do love we it. We do love football. And we do love the fancy stuff. Don't get me wrong. It's just like. Oh yeah. I am all for, I mean, this is the Rabona podcast. Yeah. 
Like we're literally <laughs> so named, after, we're named after a fancy skill. Yeah. John Collins said it best. I interviewed him and he said, there's a difference between tricks and moves, he said. Mm. A lot of players have tricks, he said, but Zinedine Zidane moves. has moves. Yeah. Hey, listen, that's yeah. what, right there. That's easy right there, my man. Yeah, it's like, it's like Street Fighter. Yeah, exactly. You, know? <laughs> you have to like, do the like left to right with the <laughs> A and B together. Exactly, that's it. So that, that's, that's me being... Hope that, hope, yeah, hope that answers your question. Uh, we had a couple that we've kind of covered, like from Mr. WP in the case of Coutinho. Still have a player at Barca or should he look else somewhere else or would... Why did Delafoe not make it bigger? So we've kind of had that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Coutinho, I'm not 100% sure. If they can get anything like market value for him, I think they might flip him. I think they should. G, right. Are you guys sad about what happened between Bayern and Dortmund on Saturday? Brackets, I am. Yeah, we kind of said we wish it would have been more of a, yeah. a, a spectacle. Oh, this is a good one from William Joseph. Which one is bigger, Espanol's obsession of PK or Madrid media's obsession of Messi? Espanol PK. Do you think? Yeah, do you know why? I think it's just so, the thing about it, it's, like, it's so just like, specific. why and why? I, 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 think, I think it must because Real Messi is like, Real will be obsessed with whoever is the big person at yeah. Barca. But the Espanol PK is so specific and so local and so bitter. <laughs> to be honest, I actually, if Espanol's hate for PK could be turned into a spirit, an alcoholic spirit, I'd buy it tomorrow. I'd drink it. I, because I would, I just wanted, I would want to taste the bitterness of that in alcoholic form. <laughs> do you know what I love about, do you know what I love about actually Espanol Pico in that? Messi, I think, slightly hates Espanol. Yeah. Do you know why? Because what he did to Betis, Paolo Lopez was in gold, of course. Yeah. And <laughs> the funny thing is, Messi never forgets. Messi carried that beef. What I love is Messi, he doesn't get credit. You know, like franchises move from city to city. Messi kept the beef going with Paolo Lopez because I think that chip, and no one's going to say it, but I think that chip was personal. I know you don't watch Game of Thrones, but Messi is basically Arya Stark. There's an assassin in Game of Thrones who basically has a list of names and she goes through and she ticks them off one by one. And I think Messi has a list. Do you know what? Names. Next time I get tonsillitis or something like that, because I usually get tonsillitis once every 18 months. I have to take a week off. Yeah. I can't go near anyone. I'll do Game of Thrones. That's how, that's how I first watched The Wire, you know. I had tonsillitis <laughs> and, I, and I basically watched the entire five seasons of The Wire in a week. Because I was so ill. Can I say as well, actually, we're, we're on a, and you know, we all love the wire on this podcast, but while we're on this, shout out to Gerard Piquet, because just as uh, Santi Cazorla is football, I think Piquet is also football. What I love about Piquet is he's a world-class player. He's, you know, married to a pop star. He's photogenic. He's brilliant. But I love that he's petty. I love that PK still has time for the petty play. Because to me, that is the spirit. Like when Messi took off his shirt and celebrated in the Classico, I remember thinking, that is the most petty, ultra, childish, and you're, you're Leo Messi. But you know, yeah, but we've, we've spoke about this yeah. so many times, and yeah. we might have even spoken about it on the podcast, yeah. but the thing about that celebration in the Classico, which for me was so, <laughs> like, beautiful in a way, was that, you know, when uh, you see players who aren't really that great and they score and they do the like they turn around and they run their f- thumb over the name on the back of their yeah. shirt and they're like Who's and you're that? like yeah. yeah all right mate yeah like <laughs> you know it's your first start but yeah. you've been at the club for four years or something it's like come on like wind it in a little bit <laughs> Messi has been doing this relentlessly for like 13 years and it was that classico that he was like nah enough yeah Shirt off holds the name, and it's not the turn around and run the like point to your name. It's like no, 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 no. Yeah, you're gonna see this. I was here. <laughs> that thing it was the thing in a gladiator. What he goes? Are you not entertained? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Are you not entertained? <laughs> it was again minimalist yeah. and maximalist. You see exactly. the like. I don't want to compare the two all the time because yeah. I know that I know you, you mean. Know, yeah, but yeah, there's course. no ripping your shirt off and flexing. It's just like no, I still got my undershirt on, so you're not going to see my tummy. 
<laughs> take the shirt off, just look at my name. Remember, yeah, remember. And it was here. And it was that we spoke about that guy giving the devil horse yeah, like, the yeah. like, If ah. you ever if you if you get a chance to watch that messy winner against um Real, if you find the fan footage from behind the goal, and there's a, yeah, there's two guys doing the devil horns their fingers. <laughs> it's like they're trying to send them back into the underworld. <laughs> oh dear. Oh, Should we get joy. out of there? We've run extremely long time. Oh yeah, but it's been a pleasure. Right. It's been so much football. I know. Always a joy. Can I just say thank you so much, uh, audience, for listening? Um, a real pleasure to have you with us. Thank you so much for engaging with our work when we discuss stuff that's both off the field and on the field. That means a lot. And yeah, uh, we'll catch you next week. No, this week. Oh, this week. We're going to be back on Thursday. Okay, yeah, we'll see you. Okay, so we're doing a Champions League podcast, aren't we? Yes. Yes, so we'll see you for that. And in the meantime, please find us on all social media handles at Mag, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. We'll see. The cool. usual. Catch you soon. Bye. Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com aware.